Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. December 9th, we're moving downstairs. That's a, it is a reason to shout, though. Amen. But listen, I'm excited about the transition downstairs. It's, it's, been, a long, it's been a long journey. And we have certainly been, we've been at the project for a long time. It's been um, honestly over a year now that we've been submitting papers and we're finally ready to move downstairs. All right, Matthias. We finally ready to move downstairs. And listen, we have guests that are coming to to celebrate with us. I don't know if you you guys know about the story where uh, Israel was crossing the Jordan and, and the Bible says that God told them to take 12 stones. And he told them to build a memorial. And the reason he wanted them to do that is because every time they walk by, he wanted them to remember how faithful God has been. And so this is kind of our 12 stones downstairs. We're going to just pause for a second and we're going to get together. and We're going to have a a worship night. Uh, My pastor will be here, Dr. Eric Mason. Amen. And several other local leaders will be here. And um, I'm excited about it. I hope you guys are excited about it as well. All right, let's dig into the word of God. We're in Judges chapter 6. I'm going to jump right in for the sake of time. Pick me up in verse 36. It says, Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on, the, on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he arose in the next morning, he squeezed, or I should say squozed, the fleece, and he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill up a bowl of water. And then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me ask one more, once more. Please let me test, let, just once more, let me test with the fleece. He says, please let it be dry on the fleece alone and let the ground be wet. And God did so that night. And it was dry on the fleece only and all the ground there was dew. I want to preach today from the topic entitled used by God. Look at your neighbor and just say, do you know that you are being used by God? Let's uh, let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, we man, we really do. We do get in this room to celebrate you. And we want to be expressive in our celebration of you because you've been so good to us. And the old saints would say, you've been better to us than we've been to ourselves. And Lord, it's, it's, it's true. It's true. And if I know me, I'm, I'm, I'm typically good to myself. But you've been even better than that. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that as we dig into this word today, I pray that you would use it for your glory. I pray Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. So, Lord, let the gospel do what it says it does, and that's transform lives and change hearts and strengthen the found and save the lost and remove scales and open up dead hearts. Father, do that today through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. amen. Used by God. Um, I, I think most of us in the room can agree that we, we like the idea of being used by God. We just don't like the process of trying to figure out what God said. Now, I'm only talking to somebody in here that, that knows you don't, like, you don't like gray areas. You want, like, you want it crystal clear. 
In order for you to move, in order for you to go to the next steps, you, you, you need God to kind of come down and give you the blueprint. Because we like clear directions. We like, we like clear instructions. But the reality is, God typically says, follow me, and we don't like that. Because it is in the follow me, we like the point A to point B and everything in between. We want you to give us all the directions, what turn to make and what turn not to make, who to date, who not to date, what job to take, what job not to take, where to move, where not to move. We want God to give us those instructions and seemingly, and I want to highlight this word, seemingly, we think that God is not clear when he gives us the, the instructions. But I would argue that through the text today, God is extremely clear. He's extremely clear, and I think what God wants us to work on today is hearing the clarity of his voice. Because when we lack clarity in God's voice, it causes frustration. Anybody ever been frustrated because you just feel like God ain't speaking? Like you feel like that prayer hit the ceiling and came back down? Like God is answering everybody else's prayer around you, but for some reason your prayer ain't being answered. I wonder if it's not because God's not speaking, but because you're not listening. And here's what I know, man, about God. God be talking. Like, he be talking that talk. There, there are times, in fact, earlier this week, I came out of my office and I just was spending time with the Lord. I came out the time, I was like, yo, God be talking, man. Because oftentimes what we do is we think that prayer is a one-way petition where we speak to God, but we have no discernment to hear back from him. In fact, when people come to me and they be like, man, I, I think God is calling me to do this or do that, or he's calling me to move here, move, that, move, move here. I'm usually like, okay, how are you praying about it? And if the answer is yes, y'all know what I, the next question I say, well, what is God saying? Because I think that we don't have an expectancy that God does actually speak back to us. And many of you have been handicapped in making decisions because you want black or white and you're getting gray. Because you're getting gray, you're kind of you're kind of stuck. You're at a standstill. And here's what I know about everybody in this room. The one thing that we all have in common, if you've trusted in Jesus, here's what I can promise you, that God didn't just create you to do nothing. When God made you in the womb, Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, the Lord knitted me together in my mother's womb. When he knitted you together, he sprinkled a little lyre season in salt and called it a gift. And he puts something in you that the world needs and that the people around you need and that the people on your job needs. And unfortunately, we've settled for Christianity to just be the thing I do on Sunday. And God is like, that ain't Christianity. When I created you, I put something in you. I just need you to be clear on my voice. And so Gideon right now in the text, Gideon is wrestling. He's wrestling with what? With what God has called him to do. From his birth, God put something in him that Israel needed. Now, let me give quick context. If you go back to the, the very beginning of this passage, Judges chapter 6, you won't be surprised by this, but Israel finds themselves in sin and rebellion again. Can, like, if y'all read the Old Testament, like it's a cycle of, of sin and rebellion. But you know what else is a cycle of? Grace and mercy. Because the, the, the text starts out in Judges chapter 6. With Israel being extremely rebellious and sinful, by the time you get to the end of chapter six, God is like, but I'm merciful and I'm gracious. So once again, I'm going to raise up a leader and this leader is going to lead them into victory. Now, who is the victory over? Chapter seven, we'll say the Midianites. The Midianites, they're now in war against the Midianites. In fact, I preached chapter seven before. Remember, God shaved the army down from 10,000 people and he brought 20,000 people to 10,000 people. And then he brought them down to 300 and they won the war off of 300. And we thought the movie 300 was just randomly put together. No, it, it's deeply rooted in Judges chapter seven. 
But Judges chapter 6 happens before the battle begins. And before the battle, the physical battle begins, Gideon is wrestling and having a personal battle with God. What is the personal battle that he is having with God? He's trying to understand his gifting. He's trying to understand his calling. And I think through crystallizing Gideon's calling, I think God is going to crystallize that you are called in this room. Could you just look at somebody and just say, you're called? Like, come on, like to somebody. Like, look back at somebody else and just say, like, you're, you're actually called. Like, God didn't save you to do nothing. The Bible says that we are salt and light. We are ambassadors. And so God wants to do something through you. And I, I hope that at least when you walk out, you'll be at least contemplating, God, what is it that you're doing? Give me clarity the same way you gave clarity to Gideon. Won't you pick me up in verse 36? Verse 36 says, then Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel, please note these next three words by my hand. As you have said, don't miss what is happening. Gideon is trying to understand how God will save Israel. Gideon is not trying to understand if God will save Israel. Gideon understands the power of God. Gideon, I can prove that to you, that Gideon understands that the God that Israel serves is the one true and living God, the almighty, the creator and the sustainer of life. Gideon's not shaken on if God can save Israel. He knows that he can save Israel through one person. But his wrestle, don't miss this, his wrestle right now is not the ability of God. He's done, recalled earlier in this chapter how God done saved Israel from Egypt. Y'all remember that story where, where, the, where the Egyptians had the Israelites in bondage and the Bible says that God raises up Moses and Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. He recalled that earlier in the passage. And now there's another battle that is before him. So Gideon is not confused on the power of God right now. What he's doubting is if God can save Israel. Watch this through him. That's the wrestle of the text. For so long, I've read this text and I've been like, oh, God is like uh, Gideon is doubting if God is uh, able to deliver Israel from the Midianites. But I read it this week. I'm like, oh, that's not his that's not his issue at all. He 100% knows that God is able to do it. His Russell right now is that he thinks that God can't do it through his leadership. And I don't know if this is point is hitting home already, but oftentimes God will call you to stuff and stretch you to stuff that is beyond you. Let me help you. That calling that God has put on your life, many times we think of the calling and we think it's just simple and we look at the obstacles and be like, I can't do that. But those, are, those obstacles are there for a reason for you to trust and depend on God because God will never call you to something that you can do. He only calls you to stuff that is beyond you. He only calls you to stuff that is out of your league. He calls you to stuff that you're not qualified for. He calls you to jobs that you don't have the resume for and the, the tenure and the connections. He calls you to, 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 to share his faith with people that are atheists and people who are agnostic and people who are not thinking about the things of God. He calls you to start that business and that ministry without the money. And you're looking at it and going, I don't have the money. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the qualifications. So therefore, I must not be called baby to yours. You're a prime candidate to be called. When you don't have, that's when God is like, oh, but I got. Because here's what I know about God. Please take this note down. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So he saves you and he'd be like, I know you ain't nothing. I know you whack and I know you don't got it together. But with me, you're great. 
With, with me, there is much that you can do. And so the victory will be won through Gideon, even though Gideon feels like he is not that dude. How can God use me? Anybody ever wrestle with that question? Like, how, how does God want to use me? Me? Let me help you out. If you need proof that God can use things that are unworthy, look no further than the pulpit today. I'm just telling you right now, I'm the least qualified to be sharing the gospel this morning. Sometimes when you guys are coming in or we're in morning huddle, we do a morning huddle before you guys get here uh, with all of our volunteers, all of our Brooklyn's finest. And I'm usually sitting in the back and I'm going, God, there's no way you, you actually want me to lead and preach to people. And God is like, the fact that you don't feel qualified is why I put my hands on you. Because God never meets you in strength. He only meets you in weakness. Can I say that again? God will never meet you when you're strong. He only meets you in weakness. Here's why. Because if he meets you in strength, you'll take credit for the, for the work. But, he, but if all odds are stacked against you and, it, and you come through, when you come through a vic, with victory, just know that wasn't you. That wasn't nobody but the Lord. Why does God choose people like us? I mean, look at the, look at the disciples. Look at the apostles. Like if anybody shouldn't have been chosen, can we agree as Peter? Like, if anybody shouldn't be chosen, can we agree as Paul? In fact, Paul wrestled with his calling. Do me a favor, those of you who have your Bibles or devices, go to 1 Corinthians real quick. Y'all move quick. At 1 Corinthians, Paul is wrestling at this moment with his calling. And not just his calling, he's trying to help the Corinthian church understand how God chooses people. And so watch what he does. He says three things. Verse 26, he says, for consider your, here's the word, calling. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. Don't miss what he just said. He said, I know y'all not wise. I, I, I know you're, you're not powerful and you weren't born into a powerful family. But watch the next verse, verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised? And some of you in this room are going, there's no way God can choose me. There's no way God can choose me. Yes, God can choose you. And God does choose you. And he did choose you. You just got to believe that he chose you. And that, that's, my, that's my goal this, this morning, this afternoon, is to get you to believe in what God is calling you toward. And like I said in the beginning, he's calling all of us. I want to preach to somebody today that's been doubting and you've been wrestling with that calling and you've been wrestling with those convictions and you feel like God has left you. Here, here's the reality. You know three or four or five other people that can actually do the job better than you. I'm going to help you out today. They actually can do it better than you. I'm going to help, help you out. You're wrestling because you don't have the money. You don't have the money. I'm going to help you out because you're like, I'm not eloquent enough. You're not eloquent enough. But what I rest in is that God chooses me. And if God chooses me, that means I can do all things. I love the saying, if God be for us, who? Who can be against you? If God put his hands on you, who in the world would say you can't do it? This is why I want to build up a little confidence in this room, because God wants to use you. Let me say that again. God didn't lose my place. I'm going to say it again because you don't believe me. God wants to use you. Say it one more time. They say it third time's a charm. God wants to use you. I just want you to believe it. I want you to understand that God chooses people who are not worthy. Gideon feels unworthy. I, I'm in Judges 6 again. Gideon feels, he feels there's no way God can use him. In fact, can I, let me show you how much he felt like he wasn't that dude. In the same chapter, do you know in verse 15, here's what Gideon said back to the Lord when God said, I'm going to call you and use you. 
to deliver Israel from the Midianites. Here's what Gideon said back to him. Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manassas. And I am the least of my father's house. So he's like, look, my clan, my tribe, we weaker than everybody else. But even underneath that, Lord, you couldn't have, you could, you had to have messed up on this one because I'm the weakest in my family. And watch what God said back to him in verse 16. Please memorize this verse. It says, and the Lord said to him, but I am with you. If there's nothing else that builds confidence, y'all tried to shout earlier. This is the moment to shout. When you feel unqualified, God says in verse 16, but I'm with you. And if I'm with you, I love the way Matthew 28 will say it. I'm with you always. There's never a moment that God is not with you. And so while you're wrestling with that, that calling and while you're feeling unqualified, God is saying I'm with you. In fact, I'll say it this way. Every time you feel unqualified, please quote this verse, but I will be with you. Every time you feel like you're doubting the calling, please quote this verse, but I will be with you. Every time you feel like you're running against the wind, please quote this verse, but I am with you. Every time you feel like the obstacles are too great for you to jump over, please quote this verse, but I am with you. In fact, can we do it all together? Somebody just say, I am with you. God is with us and he chooses people that if he wasn't with us, we would fail. I don't know if that makes sense. If God was not with you in what you're doing right now, you would fail. Baby, that promotion was because God was with you. You, 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 ain't, you ain't that skilled. You ain't that qualified. Anybody ever got a job that you wasn't qualified for? God was with you. I was at lunch with Chris earlier this week. I don't know if Chris is here, but we were at lunch. You hear? And we, we were talking, man, and, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, I'm not going to put his business out there. There was some, some job stuff he was work, trying to work through, and he's, you know, trying to figure out interviews and his interviews that he never interviewed for. And, and then I was sharing, you know, how, how hard it was to plan a church and how hard it is. And we were just sharing back and forth. And by the end of the conversation, I think we both realized if God ain't with us, this ain't going to work. You got to have that type of faith. That if God is in with you, you will fall flat on your faith. All of your success comes from God because he's with you. So in verse number, verse number 36, Gideon is not wrestling with whether God is going to save Israel. He's like, I know you're going to do it. I'm confident. I can't wait for it. But here's his wrestle. God, you're going to use my leadership? Me? I'm the weakest in Manassas. I'm the weakest of my family. And God is like, perfect. I'm going to use you. Now watch what he does here, verse 36, because there's a phrase that keeps reoccurring. Verse 36 says, then Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel, here it is, by my hand, as you have said, he says this again, behold, I am laying a fleece on, of wool on the threshing floor, and if there be any dew on the fleece alone and dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, look at these words again, as you have said. In other words, Gideon right now saying this two times is proof that Gideon understood that what God was calling him to was actually God, not something he ate. He was very clear in this moment that it was God that was calling him. Verse 36, he says, as you have said, I know God's voice. Verse 37, he says, as you have said, I know God's voice. So the whole rigmarole that he goes through with the fleece was not because he was trying to understand uh, God's power. He was clear before he asked for the fleece that God already said it. Did, does that make sense? Gideon was very clear that God spoke. In fact, I'll say it this way in verse 22. I know he was clear because he talks about the angel and him being face to face, being sent by God. 
verse uh, 12 to 18, he talks about the purpose that God has for delivering um, Israel from the Midianites. In fact, I know that he was I mean, completely sold out that this was God's voice because later on in the chapter, he builds an altar and he makes a sacrifice. So he knew God's voice. And I believe that there's somebody in this room that God has been crystal clear on. See, there are some of you that it's gray, but there are some of you that's black and white and you're still in the same place. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. There, there is somebody in the room that it is crystal clear. God has spoke. You know it's God. He's affirmed it through his word. He's affirmed it through the people around you. He's given you resources. But yet you're in a season of going, I'm just in a season of prayer. No, you're in a season of disobedience. Because he's already told you what to do. But yet when we sit in these places and we do things like we quote scripture like, I'm going to count the cost. Now listen, you should count the cost. You, sh you should plan. You should prepare. But if your season of counting the cost is longer than God's will, you're out of order. And many of us, got st we get stuck. We get stuck and we're going, I'm going to just be a little bit more contemplative. I'm going to be a little bit more indecisive. And God is like, make the decision because you heard my voice. At some point, prayer has to move when God speaks to you pulling the trigger. Do you say, oh, oh God, I heard you. I'm going to move. And it is, it is fear that keeps us. It's a lack of confidence that keeps us. Many of us don't like risk. I mean, I, I don't, I'm a risk taker. That, that's just my nature. I don't care what it is. I'm going to jump out there and I'm going to do it. But there's people that don't like risk. And you've allowed those risks to stop you from moving forward in what God said. Watch what Gideon says. Are you going to deliver Israel as you have said? I know your voice. I, I know you've spoken. So God, done, he, he's done being clear with you. He's crystallized it. It's, it's, it's black and white. He done laid out the blueprint. But you're going through the minutia of a sign. This is what he's doing. Give me a sign, Lord. Why do you need a sign when you got his voice? You should have never laid the fleece down. You heard from God. Move forward. But we get stuck and I don't want to beat you up. Maybe you're in that season where I'm going, God, you know, make the fleece dry and make the ground. Maybe that's the season you're in. But you came in here today for me to yell at you and said, get up and move forward with what God has said. Because at some point it is just straight disobedience. Look at your neighbor and just say, you got to move forward. Come on, look at like Israel Holton. You got to move forward. Get up, get up, get up. Listen, man, when it comes to risk, you know, when, when, we, when we got this building, just a quick testimony, and I hope this encourages you. Before we got the building, I don't know if y'all know the full process. We actually went for the building twice. And the first time, you know, <clears throat> there was a, some of you parted in here and twerked and, you know, pop bottles in here. That was the VIP section over there. If you was in the VIP section, just wave your head. Ah, Tasha, I knew you was. There's some people in the back. Who's that back there? Janelle and Warner, the devil. No, I'm joking. There's some people. There used to be a, a club up here, and downstairs used to be the restaurant. And, um, you know, we were pursuing it back when it was still uh, Milk River. Back when, you know, they, they were still in here. We were in negotiations. I'm not going to go into all of this, but we were, we were in heavy negotiations to the point we, we literally had the money. I just want to be clear. We like we were prepared. We had some uh, some amazing donors and some people that were backing us. Pastor Timmy, you can back me up on this. We, we were ready and we got down to the wire and God shut the door in our face. I was like, this ain't it. Now, this is before the pandemic. He knew what he was doing. This is right before the pandemic. He shut the door. And so we started looking for other spaces. And I'm going to tell you all this today. God used Ed. 
in some crazy ways. Because every time we were looking for another space, Ed would be like, I know, but that, that 960 is something about it. And I was getting frustrated. I was going, Ed, move on, bro. You stuck. <laughs> God doesn't move that here. He ain't blessed that. He closed the door on it. And after a while, he would just keep saying, I don't know, but it's, I felt like it's something there. And then one day, he was driving by the building, coming to our old space. Anybody remember 1542 on Fulton? <laughs> we, done, we done had some church in that building, y'all. And, and, and he was riding by. And he texts me and Gabe was like, there's a, there's a for rent sign on the building. Call now. So we had our, our, our person that does uh, the, the building stuff. We, we had them on it. We, we called that day. And when they came out with the numbers, can I be honest with y'all? The math wasn't mathing. <laughs> I looked at our bank. I said, nah, this, you know, we had it the first time, but them donuts is gone because you know, it, it fell through. So I was like, there's no way we could do this. It just, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And let me go deeper. We were already in a pandemic, which means we lost people. Physically, we lost people. People moved away. There were some people that was just like, I ain't going to church no more. And they stopped coming to church and we lost people. And then you guys started coming and you guys started joining online, but we didn't know each other. And so it was a huge risk. We didn't have the money. Shoot, we still don't got the money. Can I just be honest with y'all? But, but you know why I'm not worried? Because verse 16, I will be with you. The other thing Ed would always say, Ed would, would always say, if it's God's will, then it's God's bill. Oh, he's going to take care of it. Oh, Ed, you should have preached today, Ed. Where you at? Come out here, Ed. Come preach. Because they feeling your points. It used to say, he said, if it's, if it's, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. I mean, he, he, he would literally in staff meeting, he would say that about five or six times. And again, I would get so frustrated. I was going, yeah, but God ain't opening the door. God ain't opening the door. And I'm telling you, there's so much confidence. Every light bill was paid on time. Oh, come on, y'all. I know the AC was off, but we turned it on. Y'all feel the air on today, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, you ain't never went in the bathroom and there was no toilet paper. And you never will. <laughs> and we all, you know, my father said, no, there's a few things you can cut corners on. Don't cut corners on toilet paper. That's what my father taught me. There's a few things. But, but you know, that every, every month, the rent gets paid. And it's not because God drops a stack in the bank. It's because he uses you. But if I point you back all the way to 2020, when we started pursuing this building at the end of 2020, we didn't have the money. We still don't have the money. But I believe that God is going to open up doors. Why? Because he promises to. This is his church. It ain't my church. We might be singing, build your church. Yeah, it's his church and he building it. He ain't building our church. Let me help you. He not building Epiphany Church and we not building his church. He's like, it's my mission and I'm going to build this thing. And so in the text, I'm getting off track here, but in the text, he says, as you have said, as you have said. The other thing I forgot to tell you about the building stuff is when we were at 1542, me and Pastor Timmy made it very, very clear. We knew that the Lord said, do not go back to that building. It was just too small. We, you know, at that time, we, we started gathering. I remember we, it was like masked up. Like we would eat the pan. The CDC was tight. So we was like, it's no way we can go back. As, at one point, people were gathering with like 25% in the building. That's like, if you gather with 25% in that building, it's three of us in that room. <laughs> Maybe four of my family. That's it. But God was like, don't go back there. And so we, we told y'all like, man, God called us and said, don't go back to that church. We're not going, we're not meeting again until we gather back in the space. And he opened up a door. Why? Because I'll be with you. 
And I, I know I'm preaching about Epiphany Church, but the same is true of you. You ain't never had a light bill missed. You ain't never missed a meal. Huh? Like, like God provides for you he, because he is Jehovah Jireh, because he is the God that provides, because if he said it, he's going to accomplish it. So in the text, I'm getting in the text, in the text, Gideon says twice, are you going to deliver Israel as you have said? In other words, I got clarity on your voice. But watch this, verse number 37. Let's get to the fleece here. He says, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there is dew on the fleece alone, and it be dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. It says, when he arose early the next morning, he squeezed out the fleece. He wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl of water. Let me just pause there. I'm not preaching here. But you know, God, when, when God does stuff, he, like, he, he does it exceeding abundantly. He asked for it to be wet. You would think it would just be damp. No, he rang that thing out and filled up a whole bowl of water because God was like, oh, if you want proof, I'm going to really give you proof. So the, so the fleece was wet. That was the first request. The ground was dry. But he needed further proof. That, that just ain't enough for me, God. Maybe it was like a little cloud that was sitting over this fleece and somehow that this fleece got wet and nothing else got dry. So I need more proof, God. And so watch, watch the other proof, verse 39. Then Gideon said, let me speak just once more. Let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece alone and all, on all the ground there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece alone and the ground had dew on it. So, so pay attention to what's happening. He's like, God, there's a few things I need. I need, you to, I need you to answer these for me. Number one, make the fleece be wet and the ground dry. God did it. Then he says, God, this could have been a freak of nature. So I need you to do it again. But this time I need you to reverse it. I need the fleece to be dry and I need the ground to be wet. And he woke up and God did it. Now, this is comical. You know why this is comical? All week I was scratching my head going, God, why didn't you just move on from Gideon? He's playing games. But what messes me up about the patience of our God is that he was willing to oblige his request and he didn't have to. Let me help you out. When I read this text, I was going, God, surely the next, after he makes these requests, the next verse is going to say, you talking too much. I've been talking to you all chapter. Why are you still asking me questions? I, I, I was sure that when he would ask his next request that he, God was going to be like, you worry too much. You're too calculated. You don't, you don't take risks. So I've got to move on from you. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't just stand by the mission. Please write this down. Because God doesn't just care about the mission. He cares about the missionary, too. Okay. See, you think that God just cares about the mission. God don't just care about the mission. He's, he's caring about the one that's accomplishing the mission as well. Because he easily could say, Gideon, I got to get another. I got to get somebody else. There's a bunch of people in Manassas. There's a bunch of people in your family. I'm going to move on from you and get somebody else. But God doesn't do that. What patience that God displays here. What love and what restraint that God displays here that he doesn't zap Gideon from ever existing. He obliges. He says, OK, keep asking me because it's not just about the Midianites dying. It's about the Midianites dying through you, because oftentimes we think the mission and the goal is the end game. But the process to get there is also the game. It, it is what God works in you. It is the it is the discipline that God works in you throughout the process. Are y'all hearing me? 
It, it, it's, the, it, it's, the, it's the building of character and it's the building of dependency and it's the, the building of trusting in God because some of you will never trust God until he's able to knock down a midnight army with 300 people, but you don't get there until he obliges your request. So the Bible says that he's asking for signs and he's asking for signs and he's asking for signs and God is like, yeah, but I'm going to do the work through you still. I'm going to just keep, I'm going to keep doing this until, you, until you're able to trust me. Now, if you, if you go to chapter 7, I'm not going to preach it, but Gideon does trust God. And God gives him more signs later on in verse number 7, basically showing you every step of the way I'm with you. Now, before we look side-eye at Gideon, can I promise you that we're all like Gideon in this room? We're all like Gideon. Let me be honest with you. Gideon's unbelief is something that is so familiar to everybody in this room. Let me prove it to you. Many of us in this room know the power of God. We believe that Jesus saved us. We believe that he didn't just save us, but we believe that he wants to do revival in our neighborhood and in our city and in our family. And we believe that God wants the mission of God to go across the generations and that we believe all of that stuff. You know, we doubt that God wants to do those things through you. See, we don't doubt the mission and the revival that God can do. We doubt that God wants to do that stuff through us. But let me help you out this morning. God actually does want to do it through you. The thing that is impossible, he wants to do through you. The, the, the thing that is far-fetched, he wants to do through you. I just want you to believe that. God can use you. Let me say it differently. God wants to use you. If there's nothing else you take away from this sermon... Take this away. You are unqualified. I know I, I ain't come to church for that. You're getting it. You are unqualified. You're, you're not the sharpest tool in the shed. You're not the most eloquent. Yeah, you broke. But through all of that stuff, God can still use you. In fact, I would say it this way. You're a prime candidate to be used by God. I don't know why in the first service, I don't talk like this, so y'all know I don't talk like this. But by November 30th, I believe that God's going to bring testimonies in this room. I need you to, be, I need you to receive that because I don't talk like this, y'all. By November 30th. And I'm telling you, I was praying this morning. I don't talk like that because you mess people up talking like that. I'm serious. I've, I've done set in services with thus saith the Lord, you know, and it don't happen. In the Old Testament, you get stoned for stuff like that. <laughs> I'm not joking. But I believe by November 30th, God is going to open up doors in not just this service, but the first service. That God is going to open up doors, grant favor. He's going to crystallize calling. I need you to receive this. He's going to crystallize calling. It's going to be black and white. The things that you've been praying for, God is going to answer them and he's going to answer them clearly. And here's the question that I have that we have to leave with. Are you willing to be convinced that it's God? And then are you willing to obey? Because he's moving. I told y'all he's a God of movement. And you've been stuck too long. Worship team, where y'all at? Y'all come on up. You've been stuck too long. You've been, you've been in that same place too long. God is like today. I'm doing something. Can y'all do me a favor? Everybody, let's stand up. I was going to call an altar call, but I believe that we're all on the altar today. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Come on, everybody stand. I want to pray today because God wants to use somebody and you're still struggling. 
I want to pray. Father, I pray for everybody that's in this room. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is that we're wrestling with. May it could be, it could be simple. It could be job stuff. It could be you've called us to, you know, to to go for that promotion and we don't feel confident. It, it could be starting a business. It, it could be deeper. It could be, Father, we don't, we don't really have confidence that we're a good father and we want to be built up in fatherhood and built up in motherhood. We want to be a good single and a good husband and a good wife. We, like, that, that, could be, that could be the calling that you're crystallizing. But Lord, I wonder if the calling is even deeper. I believe that you've called all of us to be ambassadors for you. I believe that you've called all of us to be salt and light, Matthew chapter 5. That you've called all of us to carry on this work because the way that you accomplish mission on the earth is through people. And as I said before, you don't just care about the mission, but you care about the missionary. Father, I'm praying for somebody today that feels past their prime. And it's not because they're old. Thank you, Jesus. I hear you. It's not because they're old. They feel past their prime because they feel like they missed too many opportunities. But if you can be patient with this disobedient Gideon, if you can be patient with him, Father, you can be patient with us. And so, Lord, just as he heard your voice, the day we hear your voice, let us harden out our heart. Let us move, oh God. Let, it, let us follow you. Let us take the risk. And because we know that it is something, it is in the will of you that we can find ourselves. And Father, I pray, oh God, for the person that wants to move out before you. Because sermons like these, somehow, get, they can set us on fire to where we can get out of your will, too. So, Father, help, help us to be in your timing. If it's one thing that's hard to figure out is the timing of God. Father, help us to be in your timing. Because the only thing worse than us arrive, not arriving is arriving there and you're not there. So, Father, we want to be in your will. So, Father, the same way you were patient with Gideon. In the same way you crystallized the calling, in the same way in chapter 7, he moved forward with what you called him to do. I pray that we would be a bunch of people by November 30th, that we would be a bunch of people that follow your voice and are, and are obedient to what you've called us to do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Used by God. God wants to use somebody in the room. Listen, we're going to move to a time of communion. This is a time we get to celebrate the work of Jesus Christ. I always say celebrate. I never say mourn the death of Christ. We celebrate the death of Christ because it is in his death that we get life. It is in his death that we get liberty. It is in his death that we get freedom. So the hospitality team is coming around with communion. And if you've trusted in Jesus, we want you to take one of these. If you haven't trusted in Jesus, we, allow, we, we ask you to allow this to pass simply because it doesn't make sense for you to take something that's a symbol, what you need today is the real thing. And you can get the real thing today in Jesus. So once you get it, just hold it. Worship team's gonna come and then Andrea's gonna come and lead us in communion. I love y'all.